Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. Two times in my life, I have seen the rosy maple moth. Both times, it was a remarkable spiritual experience. The first time, I was a college kid, spending summers in the mountains of western North Carolina as a camp counselor at Holston Presbytery Camp. This summer, I was the rustic ranger, so I spent my days driving this hulking Dodge truck, lovingly known as the Rad Dog, back and forth on a gravel road about two miles between the main camp and this less accessible, the rustic area. I hauled in coolers of food and took out their trash, hauling in these coolers to the campsites so that campers and counselors would have fresh supplies when they cooked their supper over the open fire that evening. So I was on my way to the bathhouse to execute my other important duty, which was to build a fire that would heat the water in the bathhouse showers, like any campers ever took a shower, but nonetheless, it was hot. And as I went to the bathhouse, I noticed my eyes were drawn to the rough-hewn wood doorframe. And there, a bright pink and yellow moth rested. And once I noticed it, I could not look away. This rosy maple moth, it looks like it comes right out of a kid's coloring book. It's native to the Ozarks, but the moth is found throughout the Southern Appalachians, and it's a silk moth in the family of the Saturnides. And at times, the color can vary, showing up in more muted hues, but both times that I have seen the moth, she has been a stunner. It's startling. It's pink, the color of plastic castles purchased from the Walmart toy aisle, and it's yellow drawn from the deepest hue. It's startling to see such drama played out against this background of the forest, greens and browns and a little blue. No doubt we humans We like to think we came up with everything, from art to technology to building and biology, and back again, but the rosy moth, the rosy maple moth, to me is proof that God got there first. Isaiah reminds us of this hierarchy when the prophet says, to whom then will you compare me? Who is my equal? says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. It is a comforting word. This is 
the book of consolation, the prophet Isaiah. For we know that we are in the hands of a good and gracious creator, a loving and playful and a surprising God. Now, for today, we're going to focus on the latter part of the passage in Isaiah. These are actually the least surprising verses, these final lines. It's one that is very familiar in our culture, the final lines of the passage. It's probably dog-eared in many a Bible. Its image is cross-stitched on many a church wall. The words are mass-produced in many a greeting card, and its sentiment is shared in earnest prayer in many a hospital waiting room. The words are, at this point, not surprising, but expected when the prophet says, But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint, those who wait for the Lord. The original audience of this text, they needed this encouraging word. This was for the people of Judah. They had been exiled from their homeland when the Babylonian Empire came in and supplanted them. The people would have felt abandoned by God, personally bereft, but also communally concerned, and they struggled to look at the future. So the prophet Isaiah offers words of consolation and encouragement and speaks right into their despair, wait on the Lord, the prophet says, and you will not be weary. Wait on the Lord, the Lord the prophet says, and you will not faint. Wait on the Lord, you will have renewed strength. Wait on the Lord, the prophet predicts, and it will be like riding on the wings of the eagle. Our expected interpretation of this passage, it leads us to consider the life of faith as proximity to the majestic, awe-inspiring eagle. With a regal presence, their important demeanor, eagles are often associated with militaries, with the empire. They are known for their keen insight. They have exceptional vision, can spot prey from great distances. They're quite efficient killers. And their powerful wings enable them to soar effortlessly across the sky, showcasing their agility and grace. They are excellent hunters. Eagles are renowned for their strength, their resilience, their unwavering determination. When we ride on the wings of the eagles, we have power, freedom, and faith that gives us access to unwavering heights. But that is the expected interpretation, and we, friends, worship 
a surprising God. In her book, uh, Pastor Debbie Blue, I highly recommend her book, Consider the Birds. She says this of the surprising nature of Scripture, of Scripture, of the Bible. Sometimes we don't have great imaginations for God. We are confined and limited by stereotypes and preconceived expectations. But I believe that the Word of God, far from confirming everything we already think we know, can and will and does surprise us. Pastor Blue certainly does her part to shake things up when she translates the Hebrew word from this passage. The term nesher, it's most frequently translated as eagle, but most scholars agree that at least one alternative and perhaps a more fitting translation is Griffin Vulture. Yes, that's right, people of faith. Those who wait on the Lord will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. They will take to the skies on the wings of the vulture. Gross. Really? Vultures are scavengers. <laughs> They're associated with death and decay. Their bald heads and long necks are actually evolutionary adaptations that help them stick their heads into carcasses and maintain cleanliness. Their stomachs, they are like still drums, so they can ingest the worst of the bacteria and toxins in our world. Vultures urinate on their own legs. And then they projectile vomit on anything that startles them. And they don't fly with purpose and strength, but they ride around on these thermal drafts, sometimes up and sometimes down, wherever the wind will take them. Vultures, they eat so much dead flesh at their meals that they become too heavy to fly. And they wait to digest with their tiny heads sunk into their hulking shoulders, hissing and grunting because they have no song. A group of vultures is not called a flock, but more ominously, awake. But before you get too grossed out with your memories of driving on the highway with those great black hulks stringing up meat from the carcasses on the road. Know this, vultures are surprising creatures too. Pastor Blue teaches us that vultures were and are revered in other cultures. Far from being relegated to evil and darkness and decay, they are appreciated for staring down death and ingesting it too. After all, we need something to eat death and rid the world of its toxicity. 
Did you know that in Egyptian theology, the vulture was appreciated as a generative creator? The vulture was an ancient Egyptian hieroglyph that represents the sound used in mother and grandmother. In Tibet, bodies were not buried or burned but laid on rocks because it was and is an honor for one's body to be returned to the carrion birds. The Mayans referred to vultures as death eaters as a good and godlike thing. The vultures' blood and feathers were extracted and used to cure diseases. Most recently, in India, the government created vulture hotels and spas, offering up untainted meat because a pesticide had been used in farming that killed thousands of the birds. So they realized that they needed to protect these great beasts who took care of rotting remains that otherwise would spread disease. And then there is the proper name for the turkey vulture. From the Greek, catharsis, meaning to purify, and the Latin, arius, meaning golden, the great bird is then the cathartis aura, the golden purifier. Vultures stare death in the face, and they fear it not at all. It goes through their bodies, and it comes out harmless. Vultures cleanse the world. And we are invited, church, to ride on their wings. We had a new member luncheon last Sunday. Some of you all were there, and we had a good turnout. We had folks who had already joined um, and were helping us lead. We had some people who were planning to join and others who are new visitors and they're just interested in learning more about Covenant Presbyterian Church. Well, I offered my Prezi slideshow an entire presentation on all the wonderful things that are happening in the life of the church because there are many ways to be involved many ways to partner in God's work in the world, lots of things we do. We are alive and well, and we soar. But at the end of our time together, someone asked a question that no one there knew the answer to, and it spurred one of our elders in attendance to remember some of the losses that we've had in the congregation this year. We've had many, quite a few, six deaths, three interments, one burial, four memorial services, and we'll see our statistical report in the annual meeting, but we know these people are not statistics, but partners, friends, family, whose losses are still and forever will be felt. And their deaths matter, of course, to you as an individual, but they matter to our community, too. So I took a beat and redirected 
and painted a fuller picture of the life of Covenant Presbyterian Church, which includes death. We are the church, the church, and we are a people who hold space for grief. The church is a people who accompany you in pain and who stare unabashedly into the face of death with words of hope, songs of resurrection, sacraments that speak of new life. And what a surprising witness this is. We, as a culture, are overstimulated. We're consumed by success, productivity. You've got to know the latest and possess the newest. And congregations, people of faith, we get caught up in this too. We soar with the emblem of strength and dominion and power. But what if instead we ride on the wings of the vulture? like Scripture asks us to. What if we don't look that great and are weirdly shaped? What if we don't rush headlong in for the kill, but we drift along on the ups and downs of the Holy Spirit-filled wind? What if we walk into the valley of the shadow of death without fear? What if we ingest all the excrement of this year's election cycle and then spit it back out unharmed? After all, we serve someone other than the empire. We serve a surprising God. To God be the glory, time without end. Alleluia. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org. That's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.